coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that believes Virginia, Burley, Oriental, and Perique should be four of the five basic food groups. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast coming to you from the former capital of the Confederacy, yes, Richmond, Virginia, in my hotel room, hunkered down and ready for a great weekend with the conclave of Richmond pipe smokers up here in Richmond. In fact, I think if you hear it real close, if you listen real closely, you can hear, I think the alarm in the room next to me is going off, but uh, nothing I can do about that. Hope they're not sleeping at 8 o'clock, but uh, who knows, maybe they meant to set it for 8 a.m. Anyway, in tonight's show, in Pipe Parts, going to talk a little bit cigar versus pipe, pipe smoker versus cigar smoker, couple of little things there want to touch on cigars a little bit my guest the one and only tom l tang got a good size mailbag music that uh is one that i found uh from a forum post that uh i didn't know about this artist and i think you'll like him and a rant at the end all that all coming up in this episode of the pipes magazine radio show do want to say that uh, I'm a little happy. I just saw that Harry Connick Jr. is going to be the new judge on American Idol. He and Jennifer Lopez sitting right next to each other. And boy, I'll tell you, if I ever had a man crush, it would be on Harry Connick Jr. Can't get any smoother, any cooler than Harry Connick Jr. I remember watching him in the movie with, uh, with uh, Sandra Bullock and... They were about to kiss, and I was trying to think, all right, which one? Anyway, uh, that's my man crush. Love some Harry Connick Jr. Uh, Last weekend, did some uh, go-kart racing with my daughter and some kids from her band. Didn't know how rough and and tumble the uh, band kids were going to be in go-karts. But uh, anyway, I was paying for it earlier this week. And... uh, yeah, not as young as I used to be, but anyway, had a good week this week, got off to uh, see everybody at smokingpipes.com, that was fun to go back down there and visit with them, saw some great retailers, now I'm up here in Richmond, and uh, trying to, gonna rest up tonight so that I can get ready for three full days of uh, pipe smoking and hanging out with the good guys at the Conclave of Richmond Pipe Smokers. So with that, I'll say thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company, everybody sit back, relax, Fire up a bowl. Here we go. This is Internet Radio. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeerschaumStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MeerschaumStore.com. The most trusted Meerschaum store for 50 years. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. The term one-stop shop is so overused. There's no place that is literally a one-stop shop. Well, guess what? When it comes to your quality tobacco products, there is. It's cupojoes.com. With hundreds of pipe tobacco blends, thousands of pipes in stock, a wide variety of cigars, coffees, accessories, and so much more. All you have to do is go to cupojoes.com, and there it is, cupojoes.com. Quality products, extraordinary prices. Welcome back in uh, just a few minutes, Tom Eltang. But in the meantime, I want to touch on a little bit of a difference between, uh, well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of big differences between cigars and pipes. Uh, what does it take to become a cigar smoker? Well, you go down to the local smoke shop, you ask for some suggestions on a cigar, they cut it for you, they help light it for you, you smoke it, there you go, you're a cigar smoker. Yeah, there's a little more nuances to it as it gets further on, you know, like rotating it in your mouth and the proper kind of cut and the proper way to light it and 
then you start experimenting a little bit with aging of cigars and finding out what kind of blends really work for you. But when you're starting out and you're uh, looking at becoming a pipe smoker and maybe you're looking at the daunting task of picking out your first pipe, there's hundreds of different styles and shapes of pipes. There's hundreds of different kinds of tobaccos. And then on top of that, you need a tamper and you need some pipe cleaners and you need to understand the proper way to light it. So there's all this stuff that goes along with this. Where if you want to start smoking cigars, you go down to the smoke shop and they basically pull out, you pick out a cigar that you want to try, you cut it, light it, and away you go. Kind of reminds me of the old days of the tavern pipes where the taverns or the pubs had pipes up on a board and you came in, you pulled a pipe down, you bought a little plug of tobacco from the uh, from the innkeeper and away you went. All of a sudden you were a pipe smoker, but nowadays it's not quite that simple. Uh, I think there's a difference in personality of a pipe smoker versus a cigar smoker. I think it's fairly well stated. I think I've talked about it before where cigar smoking is more of a social thing. Pipe smoking is more of a personal thing. Uh, Pipe smoking tends to take more time to figure out because essentially what you're doing when you're picking out that pipe and you're picking out that tobacco is you're picking out the device that you're going to smoke it in and then you're learning what kind of filler to put inside that device and you've got to learn how to pack that correctly so that it gets the flavor that you're looking for so really if you look at the if you look at the bowl as the construction of the cigar and then the contents the tobacco inside the bowl that's really the the mixture the filler binder and wrapper and you want it you're actually constructing the smoke now If you've got friends that are cigar smokers occasionally and they want to try a pipe but they're afraid to, here's a little cost comparison that I do for people because oftentimes people don't want to spend any money on a pipe. They're not sure they're going to like it and this, that, and the other. Well, here's a basic cost comparison for you. If you think of an average cigar, an average Robusto-sized cigar as $5 here in the United States, and we'll just pick $5 as an easy number for me to work with, that cigar is going to smoke for about 45 minutes, maybe 40 minutes, maybe a little longer if you puff slower. So that's $5 for an average of 45 minutes. If you pick out an average size bowl on a pipe, that pipe is going to smoke for an average of 45 minutes. So we got a $5 Robusto that smokes for 45 minutes, and we got one bowl of pipe tobacco that smokes for 45 minutes. So they're kind of equal. Now, when you think about a box of 25 cigars for $5, 25 cigars for $5 is $125. So you've decided that you're going to become a pipe smoker, You've dabbled with cigars. You're comfortable with buying a $5 cigar. I think what you ought to do is you ought to buy a $100 pipe and then $25 worth of tobacco that smells good to you. Start off with bulks. They're the easiest ones to smell. They're the easiest ones to tell if you're going to like the aroma. You don't. Sometimes the tin tobaccos don't have a real good description. But for $25 in bulk tobacco... Even if you're paying in a high-tax state $4 an ounce, you're going to end up with 6 ounces of tobacco. Each one of those ounces is going to smoke for about 12 bowls full, maybe 10, depending on how you pack it, how you smoke it. So if you've got 6 ounces of tobacco and you're going to average 10 bowls out of each ounce, that's 60 45-minute smokes for $125. If you're buying cigars and you've got $125, you're going to get 25 45-minute smokes out of it. The other benefit to being a pipe smoker is is that all all those ounces don't have to be the same exact blend. So you're not buying 25 identical cigars, you're buying You could be buying three different kinds of blends or six different kinds or whatever it is that you want to do. You're going to be able to separate that out and try it in different ways. Now, the real cost benefit comes in even if you go into the high-end tin tobaccos and you you spend $12.5 on a 50-gram tin, 
you're going to get about 14 bowls out of that 50 gram tin, maybe 18. Even if you go up into two 50 gram tins, you're still looking at 28 to 32 bowls full, and you already own the pipe. So now your cost per bowl has gone to about a dollar, less than a dollar per bowl. If you're staying in the bulks, your cost per bowl has gone down into the 30 cent range. So there's a little cost comparison, a little analysis of the difference between a cigar smoker and a pipe smoker and a little bit of uh, some persuading that you can use for your friends if they want to try out a pipe. So, All right, everybody, in just a minute, Tom Eltang. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical, a tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliffTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented Perfect Match system. Try it at SutlifeTobacco.com. Go to SutlifeTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. Please join me in welcoming to the Pipes Magazine radio show, pipe maker extraordinaire, although he doesn't think so, but one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, direct from Copenhagen, Tom Eltang. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you, and good evening to everybody. Now, we've pre-recorded this because it's six hours difference, but it's evening time in Copenhagen, and you're still in the workshop working away. Yes, we just passed uh, 11.30, and uh, this is normally when I'm not talking to you, my creative hours, you know, uh, where most of the, the real good stuff and the fine stuff is being made. Uh, I do that normally between 10 and 2 o'clock. Now, tell us, tell us just, just so that for those of us that don't know, how did you get started making pipes? And we'll, we'll go through this pretty quickly. When I was six years old and waiting for the tram going home from kindergarten in Copenhagen, uh, the the stop was outside a, a little tobacco shop that, that didn't have a lot of pipes in the window, but they had a sign with some very nice pipes, some advertising. And as a six-year-old kid, I still remember the exact moment when I decided that that was what I'm going to do when I grew up. <laughs> and it just uh, stayed with me uh, for a long, long time. And, and when I went finished school, uh, I got a job by Aunt Julie as an apprentice, starting when I was 16, and uh, worked there for three years, and then uh, I had the big luck that uh, the, the big, uh, another big pipe shop in Copenhagen needed a repair guy, uh, a famous shop called Pipe Band, so I, I started working there after Aunt Julie and worked there for three years, and, and then I started for myself making my own little pipe workshop when I was 21 and it's been doing it ever since. And that's just a and few years year, ago. Next year it'll be 40 years ago. Uh, so we're going to see if we can come up with some some stuff for my 40 years anniversary next year. Yeah, let's talk at about your at, let's talk about your 40th anniversary cuz what are you what are you thinking about coming up with? First of all, we're going to make a party, uh, <laughs> and then I'm, I'm, I'm going to make uh, 40 boxes with a two-piece set and a tampering, uh, and then I'm working on a spectacular seven-day set that I hope to finish uh, be, before the date, and uh, if, if that's not going to be finished, I, I'm working on another set with... Uh, 20 pipes in it with uh, all the classic shapes in in all the, the the known 
finishes uh, and colors. Um, so that's going to be pretty spectacular if I if I find the time to finish it all. But uh, if it won't be finished for my anniversary, it will it will be finished another day. So uh, I have a lot of a lot of stuff going on, and uh, it's very interesting at the moment. Can we talk about some of your pipe shapes for a little bit? Yeah. Because you uh, anything particular? Well, you do you do your your interpretation of the classics, but then you've done some extremely creative things. And if, if you go to Tom's website, which is ltang, E-L-T-A-N-G dot com, you'll see a picture of the knife, the, the pipe that's shaped like a knife. There's uh, the one that looks like the lamp, like the desk lamp. Yeah. And a snail, and uh, yeah. I, I do stuff like that when I have briar in the right quality and the uh, 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 large portion of my pipes uh, looks like pipes and smokes like pipes. Uh, yes. Once in a while I go crazy uh, and, and try to make something that's uh, a little bit out of the, the, the normal standard. But uh, uh, if you ask me personally, my favorite pipes are the smoking pipe that will become your friend basically for life. Uh, that that's the pipes I like to make uh, the most. Uh, it's it's always spectacular to make something that you know will end up in a nice cabinet with uh, as a centerpiece in in, in a collection. But for for me, uh, the smoking is important, and and having the right tool for your hobby or your addiction or whatever you you need to call it. Uh, is essential. Uh, that's 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 my purpose for making pipes, making good smoking tools that people will, will become acquainted to and, and, and friends with. So it's not just a pipe, but it's something that lives in their pocket and it's nice to hold and uh, and that it works every time. Now I've heard you in the past refer to your. Uh your poker shape as the ultimate smoking pipe? It is, it is a mean, lean smoking machine. Yeah. You, you, you do nothing better is on the market. Period. You know. Uh, then you can like it or you can dislike it. But it has all the qualities uh, a pipe requires to be a good smoker. It has a big surface so it gets rid of the heat. It sits. It's light. The mouthpiece is always very comfortable uh, with the bamboo shank. And now I stopped using uh, metal tenons and use carbon fiber instead. So it's extremely light and uh, very robust. So it, it's a pipe that even though it's tiny and elegant, I would actually almost say you can sit on it without anything happening. So for all these reasons, you know, it, it's... If if you're a smoker, it's something that if, if you have one of those in your pocket, you you you're always good to smoke. Is it because of the? Quality. Is it because of the the round shape of the bowl and the round shape of the tobacco chamber and the fact that everything works, or is it because of the surface area, or is it a combination of everything? It, it's a combination of everything, uh, and also today. Where ashtrays not are thrown around like they used to be, you know, it's extremely practical that if you, for some reason, have to smoke, not smoke for a while, you just put it somewhere, and when you need it the next time, it's right there without having to excuse that you put ashes all over somebody's table or whatever. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good things to say about that pipe. Can we talk about the way you smoke your pipe for a little bit? Uh, yes, I, I light a pipe for about 20 times, and then uh, I never smoke it all the way to the bottom. <laughs> and I've I've seen your own pipes, and you're, you're not particular about keeping them too clean either? No. I, I own two pokers at the moment, and I smoke them, so... Uh, uh, I just been to Italy with my wife, and when I light up a pipe in the car, she she could all could almost crawl out the other window because uh, they they are not the most nicest uh, driest pipes uh, you can find on this planet. 
and then once a year or I always say to myself, next time you make a lot of pokers, then you, you take a few for yourself, you know, and then somebody always ends up coming and buying them. So, uh, but I think once a year I make myself a couple of new pokers and then uh, I normally give the old ones away for somebody, some collector when I want to travel somewhere and uh, they normally get very happy. And you do them in I've both, them. Uh, you do them in Sandblast? A rustication process, and you also do them in a smooth. Uh, I I rarely do them sandblasted. They're always always uh, rusticated. Uh, when a very nice piece of wood comes around, I, I do occasionally a smooth one, but uh, most of them are rusticated. Can we talk about your contrast stain that you do? Because your your stain is identifiable from across the room as to who makes yeah. the pipe. Uh, I won't ask you to divulge all the secrets, but if you want to, go ahead. <laughs> feel feel free to... Lot of, it's a, it's a two-component chemical stain called laboratory stain, and it's actually two clear fluids. One is a little yellow, and the other one is, is greenish. And when they come together with the, uh, with the air, it oxidizes and, and turns very black. And... Uh, they stopped making it uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, so now I'm in a ongoing process of mixing the chemicals exactly like I want them. I had for, for a period, I, I didn't, I wasn't completely satisfied, uh, but now I'm getting very close to, to getting something where I think it's, uh, it's coming out nice every time. It also has something to do with how old the briar is. And, uh, so there's a lot of variables in, in... So even though it's the same stain every time, it can look different on, on different pipes. And I spend a lot of time trying to perfect it and, and get to a stage where I can say uh, often, very often, that it, it looks fantastic. Uh, but it is an incredible stain because you can get the high contrast and, and and then I, I do a little yellow on the bottom, so so you have this uh, very high contrast uh, yellow button uh, color. And uh, I've always liked it. Uh, sometimes I would like to have another color, but because I've used this so much, and, and any color, uh, any pipe maker use, is a, a process that you you have to work a whole lifetime to perfect. Uh, if you see people like the Banks, uh, Palmer, uh, Tony Nielsen, people like those, you know, it's not just something that you say, okay, I'll do another color and then I do like this. It, it takes very long time to perfect something like that. And uh, starting all over from from, from beginning, uh, also because I'm a little colorblind, so when I stain something and I can't just say, oh, I need a little more uh, uh, ebonite and red and, and green, then it'll be perfect because uh, I don't. So it, it's, it's always going to be guessing. And, and sometimes you hit it, but then you, you might not have written down what you did. So uh, then you have to start over again once one more time. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, I think I'll stick to my color and uh, also because... I'm one of the few. I'm not the only guy using it, but I think uh, when you look around and see other people using it, uh, the sanding off is so important that uh, if you haven't done it for 40 years like me, then it, it's not something that you just sit down and do. So that's also why it's not a secret because basically everybody can do it, but it's the sanding off that's the difficult part. So in addition to the poker shape. You've also you also started doing the the tubose shape, which is a perfect elbow joint. Is that the best way to describe it? Uh, yeah, my grandfather was a plumber, and uh, he had a wooden box of uh, water tube bends standing in a in a corner. And I looked at them when I was young and said, "Oh, that that could be a pipe." <laughs> and it just took me thirty five years to to finally make it uh, and find out that. It could actually work. 
uh, I also started making it a, as a reverse calabash. And, and then you're basically down to as little around all, all the, the holes you need in the pipe as possible. And I've always been, it's, it's one of the whole philosophies about the Danish design stuff uh, from all the big masters in, in furniture and all the other stuff that less is more. Uh, you can add a lot of stuff on, on anything, but it always only adds weight and on comfort. So if you can go as minimalistic as possible, that's always what I'm aiming for. You don't need a lot of wire where it's not necessary. It'll only hurt your teeth and uh, make it diff- more difficult to smoke. It also makes it possible it, to have more flaws in the pipe, too. <laughs> yeah, or the, the less surface you have, the, the, the smaller chances there that you have flaws in but that's also a question of buying the right wire and, and having a good wire cutter. I just came back from Italy. I went, I go down there every year and, and pick out my wire myself or a part of it. And that's also always a, a very nice and, and fun trip to make, meeting a lot of people on the way and, uh, and having a few days in, in, the, in the workshop of the wire cutter and uh, picking out the right blocks. And, and because a block is not always just a good block, because it also has to do with the shape of the blocks. I, I had fantastic blocks where, because of the shape, I just can't see the pipe in it. So uh, there's a lot of this, you know, what you're used to and what kind of shapes you do. And uh, another nice shape I made is the Eskimo, the, the little flat uh, bulldog type of pipes that I made with the white shank. Uh, I've had a lot of success with that one. So, uh, but it's very difficult to come up with something new and interesting because almost everything has been made before. Uh, so, if, if you're in a lifetime like me, can say when you when you're done making pipes that that you made five or six new shapes uh, that became recognizable and. and if you're lucky, even classics uh, at some level, uh, you're not. You can also always make something crazy and a lot of edges and, and, and stuff like that, and, and say this has never been made before. But if if you want to make something uh, simple and new, uh, you you really have to have a very good day to to come up with it, or or a very good imagination because it's it's all been done before and. Uh, that's how it is and that's good we're going to take a break right here when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about uh, pipe shapes and about the uh, different markets that you sell your pipe in pipes in so we'll, we'll be back in just a minute need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. This is Internet Radio. We are back. Tom is still with us. Tom, you talked about you know making the coming up with a new shape. Is it is it as hard to make? to come up with a new shape as it is to make the perfect bulldog or the perfect classical shape? No, it's a lot more difficult. Uh, A lot of the times it happened by accident, uh, basically. When I work, I normally just take a block and then I I let the block tell me where the pipe is. Uh, It's very rarely that I find the block and say, now I'll make a pipe this shape. Uh, and then it turns out like that because there's always some imperfections that you have to adjust to and uh, so a lot of the some of the the the, the, the crazy shapes or but new innovation 
inventions comes when something bad occurs in the process <laughs> and you have to do something that you didn't expect and then sometimes you end up with something where you say, whoa, this is very good. Uh, so it's actually not me deciding, but but the, the, the purpose should always be to pick, make the best possible pipe in any block you start on. So if you just let the have a work process where the briar, where you can find your way and find the best piece of wood in every block, uh, you just end up with that. And then, of course, it has to look like a pipe afterwards. And pipes is all about proportion, harmony, and balance. It's my three key words when I, when I do pipe design. There's always a limit where you can't go. But, uh, I always tell you, pipe makers, that if you are not sure if you've taken off enough, you haven't. But you are—you never doubt when you've taken off too much, because you see that immediately. And you have to go over the limit to find where the limit is. So you have to fuck up once in a while to to see uh, if it's possible. And uh, you you can't be afraid to fuck up because uh, it, it's a part of the process. I don't do it as often as I did in the beginning, I have to say, but uh, it still happens because it's all about taking it as far as you can go without breaking the unwritten rules about proportion, harmony, and balance. You also, I've seen a lot of your pipes through my time. You also have an appreciation for, uh, for bird's eye almost as, I would say, as much or even more than straight grain. Uh, yeah, that has something to do with that. Uh, my color uh, comes out a lot better with birdseye than it does with straight grain. Straight grain uh, for a lot of pipe makers because it's also something we talk about when we talk together. It's often, you know, it's very nice, but it is a little boring, you know, because what you aim for is a perfect fence, you know, stripe and... Uh, light colors wood, dark colors wood, and, and the more straight and the more perfect you can get it, the more expensive you can make the pipe. But it's it's the same all the way around if it's a perfect pipe. And with the, with the bird's eye, you can look and see faces or landscapes or, you know, you can actually swim into the briar and, and, and get some kind of imagination going. Uh, it's it's more difficult with the straight thing. So a lot of pipe makers prefer bird's eye uh, instead of straight grain. But because my color is so good at it, uh, I always liked it. And you've done some beautiful, I mean, absolutely beautiful cross grains with gorgeous bird's eye on them. And sometimes I get lucky. Sometimes. <laughs> now let's yeah. talk about where your pipes, you're one of the rare one of the rare old style pipe makers and I don't want to use that term old but you don't sell directly off of your own website you don't sell you sell through dealers throughout the world yeah yes to have a business like ours we need to have pipe shops there need to be places where people that want to start smoking pipes can go in and uh, get some good advice uh, test different kinds of tobacco and actually hold pipes in their hands and talk to somebody who knows what it's all about. And if we don't support the pipe shops, we have no business. We cannot be a solely internet business because then we will not have any people, uh, new people coming into the hobby. So for me, it's always been very important. That, and, and they, they do the selling job much better than I do. Uh, I could sell them myself, but I also know how much time it takes. Then you have to answer email and, and ship a lot of stuff and, and track them and check them and get paid for them. And So I could sell my pipe, the pipes myself, uh, but then I'll just make a lot fewer pipes. So it's that combination. Uh, the, the pipes would end up basically costing the same because uh, my dealers, we have a kind of relationship where 
they have to put in their part of the work uh, for for their part of the money. So uh, it's it's a very good. It's my way of advertising as well because I can't stand every. If I sell pipes in the shop, there's a guy, you know, in a clean shirt every morning and uh, being there on time that talks good about me and uh, that's worth a lot. So I support my I support pipe dealers and and mainly almost all my uh, distributors or dealers have physical shops. Uh, my only dealer is, that doesn't have that is is Pierre Hill and and the Beast Guards that used to have a shop closed this down but otherwise it's, it's only Pierre Hill that, that doesn't have a physical shop but he does a lot of work going to pipe shows and, and, and events and smoking championships so so he put in his his uh, hours on, on, in that way but otherwise we need good pipe shops without good pipe shops we have no business you've also been uh, you're in every continent including you were one of the first ones over in, in China. Yeah, I had the luck of meeting uh, Eddie Wong at the smoking championship in, in Belgium uh, about 10 years ago. And uh, so I was one of the first uh, pipe makers he started importing to, to China. So I have a pretty good reputation in China. And it's a big and, and incredibly uh, explosive market at the moment. Uh, but I'm in a lot of other places, and uh, I try to take care of my the old countries uh, and the people that sold my pipes the longest uh, as well. So it, it's always a balance, especially at the moment where almost all the good pipe makers at least cannot make enough pipes. So you always have to disappoint somebody. So that's, that's always a, a difficult balance. But uh, I try to handle it by taking care of of the old markets before uh, I sent just a lot of pipes to China. So let me ask you, how but many... It is a bit... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it, it's, it's just... Uh, it, it, it's, if you let them, the Chinese would buy everything. And uh, But it, it's also a difficult country to, to uh, with the prices because a lot of pipes, after I sell them, it's being sold from one dealer to the next dealer to the third dealer, you know, and, and they all put their profit on top of the price. So so often they will end up in a more expensive price than uh, if I just sell a pipe to, to Sykes and, and and he has his normal calculation. Uh, and, and that's difficult to control. How many pipes a year do you make, and how many pipes a year do you think you could sell if you could make more? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, and the, I've been asked the question, how many pipes do you make all the time? And, and basically, I don't know. I think I make a pipe a day, and then maybe a little bit more because if I when I do and I, because I do a lot of the pokers, and, and I have to do more than one a day if, if, if I do those. So. I would, my guess, my qualified guess would be between four and five hundred pipes a year. But I also have to say that I work seven days a week from I get up till two o'clock in the night every fucking day. <laughs> if, I, if I'm not traveling somewhere to a pipe show or whatever. I haven't had a vacation in the last 12 years. The, the hardest making uh, the hardest working man in the pipe world that's I can only do this because I enjoy it and even though I spend a lot of hours in the workshop I'm not working all the time pipe making also uh, requires some other stuff that needs to be taken care of answering emails uh, packets uh, guests coming I because I'm located in Copenhagen everybody that comes to Copenhagen, in some kind of pipe-related business, will always drop by here. Uh, the other pipe makers call it the central, uh, and that's basically true. So I have a lot of people coming here. I have a lot of uh, schools that calls me and say, "Can you come and see your workshop?" And uh, uh, related crafts that also comes and, and, and see the workshop. So. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff involved in it, so I'm not making pipes 12 hours a day. Uh, nobody can do that, but uh, uh, 
time here, at least 12 hours a day, and uh, then you can make some dust and get some pipes done. And you also told me before we started that you were bringing back the Sarah Eltang line. Uh, yes, uh, that's that's my goal for next year as well. I started working with former uh, with the former Eltang project with a copy phraser we bought, and uh, it's a very nice machine, but it also has some limitations. Uh, and I could be more flexible the way I I. I turned the, the saddle pipes, uh, all of it, and, and did it from there uh, by hand. And, and that gives more uh, flexibility in, in shapes and sizes and uh, stuff you can do. So I looked at some old pictures one day, and I saw some old pictures of the saddle pipes, and I should have to say to myself, damn, that was a nice pipe for the price. So I, I'm bringing that back. Uh, and I'm, looking, I'm actually looking forward to to making some of that because it's uh, it's good practice also for the expensive stuff when when you have to do stuff a little bit faster and, and sometimes when I do my own pipes I can uh, on the desk sander in in one day if you are in this in the in the mood for it uh, do rough sand ten good pipes and that will take you two weeks to finish them and then for the next two weeks you will not be working on the desk sander. So next time you have to do something on the desk sander, not that you forget it in two weeks, but you kind of have to start over again at some point. So if, if you have something to do a little bit, just so you are used to to working on, on the machine every day or an hour every day, you get a lot sharper uh, when you have to do the, the real expensive fine stuff. and. Uh, it's it's good practice and a way of offer for me it's very important that when you start smoking the pipe you probably go out and buy something relatively cheap factory made uh, and then you go home and, and and you smoke it and you you think okay this uh, is something that i could get used to and uh, that i would uh, that i like and then somebody tells you that you should try the handmade pipes because they are a lot better than the factory made pipes. And then you go and spend a little bit more money. And if we don't take very good care of exactly that step in the process, that you actually also, when you go out and spend more money, get a better product, a pipe that smokes better than the one, the cheap one you bought to start with, then we lost the customer. Because if, if, it, if it doesn't smoke better, if the mouthpiece is more comfortable, if, if the pipe cleaner doesn't go all the way through, all that, then you have a, a, a worse product than the cheaper product you bought to begin with. And then you will say to yourself, why should I spend more money on pipes? Because this is better than if I spend twice as much. So the step up from beginner to spending a little bit more money on a pipe it's very important that you have a good experience on that step. That's also one of the reasons that my poker has so big success, because even though it's a relatively expensive pipe, it's often, you know, in the cheaper end of the real handmade pipe. And if, if you don't get a, a good smoker when you spend this kind of money, then why bother? Then buy cheaper factory-made pipes. They, they are as good as everything else. That will be the, the thing you you could take out of that uh, experience if it's not good. Just for everybody's reference, the uh, Sarah Eltangs, the last time I saw them on the market, were in the 200 to $300 retail range. Yeah. And the, the Eltang Poker runs around 500 550 up to $600 on on average and it is a 100% all handmade pipe. Yeah. And with that we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions. There's no right answer, no wrong answer. Anything goes. Are you ready? I'm ready. What's your favorite pipe? That's the poker. What's your favorite tobacco? What's your favorite drink? Gin tonic. 
And what's your favorite thing to do while smoking your pipe? Uh, watching television. <laughs> no football. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, oh. if you if you don't say Danish football, then you're in trouble. We're still allowed to smoke in the stadiums over here. Wow. And where's so, your... Uh, yes. So, watching football with while smoking your pipe in the stadium. Yes. Uh, and finally... Where is your favorite place to smoke your pipe? Uh, in my workshop. Tom, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for joining us, and all the best to you. Thank you very much, and thank you for listening. We'll be back in just a minute. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog in the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> in fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. Welcome back to the uh, friendly, comfy confines of the Hampton Inn and here in Richmond. And it uh, sounds like the alarm finally stopped in the room next to me, so maybe they woke up or ran out of battery. Whatever. Uh, to find Tom's Pipes, go to his website, Eltang, E-L-T-A-N-G dot com. He's got a list of all of his dealers there. It's a real treat to get your hands on one of his pipes. All right, for music... I came across Phil Kagey, who is a guitar player, and uh, spent, oh, probably an hour and a half listening to a whole bunch of his stuff. This song, uh, this piece is called Cinema Paradiso.
To find more of Phil's work, it's uh, Phil, K-E-A-G-G-Y. Found a bunch of his stuff on Spotify and his own website is philkagey.com. Oh, and by the way, he's an occasional pipe smoker. You, Daddy, has an email. A couple of comments that I want to get to from last week's show. Uh, Dave in Lax, which I'm guessing is Dave in LAX, said that when he's getting ready to travel, he'll tightly coil, and thanks for the Brigham pipe cleaner mention, tightly coil a pipe cleaner into a self-sizing pipe plug, and that works for covering up the bowl. So I'm assuming he's just winding it in a circle and tightening it up and letting it spring out to cover up the pipe bowl so that way the tobacco doesn't fall out when you're carrying the pipe around. Uh, Member Caucus, K-A-K-I-S, said that in Europe there is an actual cork. There's an actual cork that is sold for uh, putting in your bowl, and it runs about a euro a piece. So if you want to see uh, the link to that, it's under show uh, under episode 55's links right there. So there's a couple of ideas of things that I hadn't even thought of on ways to keep the ash in your bowl. Nismo270R, Chris says that using the saran wrap has a, another benefit when using the saran wrap on the round tins or the square tins. Not only does it hold it down, but it makes them easier to stack because the uh, the plastic wrap kind of sticks to each other. So I didn't even think about that. I just stack them five, six, eight high and didn't realize that that's helping keeping them where they are. And I want to thank Joshua again for uh, choosing Clown College over law school. There was only one Clown College and several law schools out there, so I guess it's harder to get into Clown College, especially since uh, Ringling Brothers has closed that down. So, All right, everybody. Rant time from Richmond, Virginia is next. This is Internet Radio. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical, a tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented Perfect Match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. about as pissed off as every other American is about our uh, current political budget situation that's going on, but I'm not going to take this time to get political. What I am going to do is, my wife showed me this letter that was bouncing around Facebook, and I thought I'd read this letter to you. It's from Queen Elizabeth II, and it reads like this. To the citizens of the United States of America, from Her Sovereign Majesty, Queen Elizabeth II. In light of your failure to financially manage yourselves and inability to effectively govern yourselves responsibly, we hereby give notice of the revocation of your independence effective immediately. You should look up revocation in the Oxford English Dictionary. Her Sovereign Majesty Queen Elizabeth II will will resume monarchical duties over all states, commonwealths, and territories except, except Kansas, which she does not fancy. Your new Prime Minister, David William Donald Cameron, will appoint a governor for the former United States without the need for further elections. Congress and the Senate will be disbanded. A questionnaire may be circulated sometime next year to determine whether any of you noticed. To aid in the transition to a British Crown dependency, the following rules are introduced with immediate effect. 
The letter U will be reinstated in words such as color, favor, and neighbor. Likewise, you will learn to spell donut, D-O-U-G-H-N-U-T, without skipping half the letters. Generally, you will be expected to raise your vocabulary to acceptable levels. Look up vocabulary. Using the same 27 words interspersed with filler noises such as like and you know is an unacceptable and inefficient form of communication. Next, there is no such thing as U.S. English. We will let Microsoft know on your behalf the Microsoft spell checker will be adjusted to take account of the reinstated letter U. Going further down the letter, July 4th will no longer be celebrated as a holiday. You will learn to resolve personal issues without using guns, lawyers, or therapists. The fact that you need so many lawyers and therapists show that you're not quite ready to be independent. Guns should only be handled by adults and then used solely for shooting grouse. If you're not adult enough to sort out things without suing someone or speaking to a therapist, then you're not ready to handle a gun, let alone shoot grouse. Therefore, you will no longer be allowed to own or carry anything more dangerous than a vegetable peeler. A permit will be required if you wish to carry a vegetable peeler in public. All American cars are hereby banned. They are crap and this is for your own good. When we show you German cars, you'll understand what we mean. All intersections will be replaced with roundabouts and you will start driving on the left side with immediate effect. At the same time, you will go to metric with immediate effect and without the benefit of conversion tables. Both roundabouts and metrication will help you understand the British sense of humor. The former United States of America will adopt the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland prices on petrol, which you have been calling gasoline, of roughly $10 per gallon. Get used to it. This is one of my favorites. You will learn to make real chips. Those things you call french fries are not real chips, and those things you insist on calling potato chips are properly called crisps. Real chips are thick-cut, fried in animal fat, and dressed, not with ketchup, but with malt vinegar. Finally, the cold, tasteless stuff you insist on calling beer is not actually beer at all. Henceforth, only proper British bitter will be referred to as beer, and European brews of known and accepted provenance will be referred to as lager. New Zealand beer is also acceptable, as New Zealand is pound for pound the greatest sporting nation on earth, and it can only be due to the beer. They are also part of the British Commonwealth. See what it did for them? American brands will be referred to as near-frozen Nats urine so that all can be sold without risk of further confusion. And Hollywood will be required occasionally to cast English actors as good guys. Hollywood will also be required to cast English actors to play English characters. Watching Andy McDowell attempt English dialogue in Four Weddings and a Funeral was an experience akin to having one's ears removed with a cheese grater. Lastly, daily tea time begins promptly at 4 p.m. with proper cups with saucers and never mugs with high-quality biscuits and cakes, plus strawberries with cream when in season. Thank you for your cooperation, and it's signed, God Save the Queen. No better way to sum up how I feel about what's going on than a little bit of humor at the end of another wonderful episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Please make sure and leave those feedbacks on iTunes. Follow me on Facebook. I'll try to post some pictures from the Floor of the Core show over the weekend. I promise I'll do my best. And I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather.
dedicate this episode to my friend and mentor Peter Stokeby. Peter, it's been 10 years and I still miss you. I love you dearly. <laughs>